nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Live from Swansea, this is the Twilight Show with Nathan Ginn. Boradar Pal, Kroisoy Avatawi, hello everyone, welcome to Swansea, welcome to Teachers Talk Radio, the Twilight Show with me, Nathan Ginn, and it's Wednesday night, and tonight we are talking computing with Phil Bagg, computing inspector and advisor, CAS master teacher, involved in writing the National Curriculum for Computing, computing. off we go. Live from Swansea. This is The Twilight Show with Nathan Ginn on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Hello everyone, welcome to Swansea, welcome to Teachers Talk Radio, the Twilight Show, with me, Nathan Ginn, here on Teachers Talk Radio. And as I say, uh, every week I complain about the rain, but today you have found me, it is sunny here in South Wales, um, there has been blue skies, it's been an absolute shock to the system, but the weather has been glorious, so I've seen the sea, I've seen the blue skies, I'm not complaining about the rain, it's a good day. Um, and we have our guest this week, uh, Phil Bag. as I said in the intro there, uh, computing inspector and advisor, CAS master teacher, involved in writing the national curriculum for computing and uh, chatting with me this evening about all things computing. Uh, Phil, I can see you in the studio. I'm just going to see, can you hear me? I'm hoping I can. <laughs> yeah, and I can hear you loud and clear. You are coming through. Um, how's the weather where you are? I complain every week about the rain here in Swansea. <laughs> oh, it's not too bad here in Southampton. Um, a bit overcast, but yeah, I didn't see much of it, to be honest with you, because it was too dark getting to school uh, and too dark leaving. So, <laughs> oh, I, I honestly, I, you know, I hate this time of year. I was saying to um, trainee teachers about that, you know, this is it. This is, you know, when it's dark, when you get to work and it's dark when you leave. This is the hardest time of year, I think, to be a teacher because of that kind of perpetual darkness, depending on how many windows your classroom have. Uh, a shocking times. Um, the other thing that we have coming up this week, you know, I don't know if you're aware, maybe you are. I tweeted it out earlier today. It is on the 1st of December, the 40th anniversary of the BBC microcomputer. Uh, were you aware of that? I've got to be honest, I wasn't. Um, but I know that they did a, a fantastic job early on. Um, I, to be honest, I was a, I'm a little too old to remember it in the classroom. <laughs> Do you know what I? You know I am also turned forty this year, um, so I am you know the same age as this. And I so you know when I think about kind of digital natives and and all of these words we use in computer coding, and I looked back into the history, and I was kind of like, oh, hang on, this isn't a new thing. This this is really or apparently has supposed to have been around all of my life. Um, but you know maybe that's something we'll talk about um, because I don't remember it explicitly being taught all of my life. Yeah, no, I think uh, it's interesting. I think there was a really uh, good strand of uh, programming going on uh, in the sort of 80s um, with a lot of teachers getting involved in things like that. And then I think we all got a little bit, um, we, we, we discovered Microsoft Office and everybody thought, oh, that's the next best thing. And they dumped all of that other good practice that was going on. 
Um, which is probably why we're at where we're at now. <laughs> well, do you know, that is certainly something that I want to talk about when we're talking about teaching computing and what is computing and all those bits, you know, because I remember specifically, you know, my experience or what I remember at school, you know, in the 90s, really, we're talking about was, you know, training of how to use Microsoft rather than what seems to have been the intention of computing back sort of with these BBC computers and certainly now with computing, that that's kind of how I remember it and maybe that's why i've got you know maybe a warped perception from my own childhood um that that it is something that that maybe it isn't or it never was or maybe we had a you know the dark ages for computing what it was but we get ahead of ourselves um could you for our listeners kind of explain a little bit about who you are a little bit about what you do um, and how you've ended up there just so they have a bit of context around our conversation yeah, thank you. So um, I uh, teach in two primary schools at the moment. Um, I do a Wednesday at one school and a Thursday at another school. Um, and before that, I was a general primary school teacher teaching everything for quite a few years. <laughs> I've already said I'm, I'm over 50. So, um, uh, and... Um, yeah, and then alongside that, those two jobs that I do on Wednesday and Thursday, I also work for Hampshire's Inspection and Advisory Service. Mostly, I mean, it always sounds weird when when you say you're a computing inspector, but actually, I mostly do lots and lots of teacher training and helping people make sense of the curriculum um, and helping them plan things and think through things. It's, it's that side of job really that I, that I mostly do for for Hampshire. And, and fantastic i know hi as well i was a hampshire teacher for for you know a fair few years myself before i found myself down here in south wales um yep and and so, you know some of the resources and support that you have developed maybe is the right word for it certainly i've seen used it in school so i'm really excited to kind of have this conversation yeah um, really nice to be here and join you so thank you so um maybe i think the best thing if we start off and we kind of got into it a little bit is um for, for those outside as i say in where i am in in wales we have a different national curriculum so we're going to park that for the moment we don't have computing we have um, digital competencies um so we're going to park that but maybe for international listeners um teachers maybe uh, i don't actually know about the organization of the curriculum in, up in scotland but as far as in England is concerned, um, the 2014 curriculum, computing is there. What? How can we explain that to people? How can you, exp in a nutshell or in a few sentences, how, what is computing? Yeah, so I think it's, um, it's worth saying that sort of generally speaking, computing is made up of three areas. Um, so we've got the information technology, which is a little bit like the old ICT, if you've talked for any uh, length of time. And that's the doing stuff on stuff with stuff. Um, and I think that's still really important for children to come out with a, a set of good um, IT skills. Um, and then alongside that, we've got probably the newest strand or that strand that goes back to the 80s when we were doing some of this is the computing science elements of that, algorithms, programming, uh, a little bit of understanding networks as well and the internet, uh, in primary anyway. Um, 
And then alongside that, we've got our digital citizenship or our online safety. Um, although we're seeing a trend very much at the moment that online safety can be taught in lots of places in the curriculum. And um, uh, some people still keep it quite traditionally within computing and others have mixed it in with lots of other areas of the curriculum. And that's, that's fine as long as it's taught uh, and really sort of thought through to help children make good choices, safe choices. And so, um, you know, we, we talked a little bit as well about this kind of, um, well, you know, I remember very clearly a, a point in my career where, um, and it must have been, I guess, around the 2014 curriculum, but everyone was taking down their signs for the ICT suite and, change, you know, frantically laminating something that said computing or coding or those words in it. And we've talked a little bit about kind of that Microsoft training, for want of a better word, that I felt I had. Was there a big change or is it more a perception, a better understanding of the of um, what computing is in the curriculum? No, I think I think the computing science aspect was a big introduction, something that hadn't been done uh, in a national curriculum for, for you know, uh, properly in the past. Um, and, I, and I think that was a big difference. So that was a, a big element that was added into the curriculum uh, and that was new. Um, I think the information technology aspect, uh, a traditional ICT teacher who was doing some good uh, information technology um, could have adapted what they were doing. Um, and in fact, often my, my early advice to those people uh, back in 2014, 15, 16 was really don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. If you're doing good work with lots and lots of different other aspects of information technology, you don't need to get rid of that. There's lots of ways you can use those things in your, in your, in your new computing curriculum. Um, and something that I want us to get onto a little later in the show, so about talking about supporting teachers, maybe after the news, but we're talking about, you know, I guess the coding element, the computer science element, which I didn't have, you know, and I'm, you know, at points I was senior leadership, um, never with responsibility for computing, but certainly, you know, I'm overseeing those things in a primary school because of the, you know, the nature of primary school. Certainly I was expected to teach it, but it would be a subject that I maybe was never taught. Uh, myself when I was at school um, and it, it, it is something that maybe there's a lot of fear around I'm, I'm kind of tentatively putting it out there maybe people worry about is that something that you find yes I, I think um, I think the worry around the computing science is a real issue uh, for teachers and, and teachers will, will often sort of um, that's the bit as you said if it's not part of your own education it wasn't part of your worldview then then that can be an area that that people really struggle with um, often I, I think the most important thing for this is 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 gradual training taking people on little by little introducing them to the earlier things giving them a bit of time to try some of those methods and ways of teaching into the curriculum uh, and then um, coming back and doing some more support. Um, I, I, I'm a big believer that every t primary school teacher can teach some really good computing science. I don't think it's technically above people's abilities, but I do think people need training and I think that's really important to, to get some really. 
And certainly, uh, you know, in my experience, as I say, I was at a, a Hampshire school and I felt, we, we certainly felt we were doing really well with computing. I had a fantastic computing lead teacher there, you know, who was really passionate about doing it well. But we had, there were additional resources that took, you know, there might be people who are thinking this is purely screen time, but we had... Um, uh, things like the crumble, I would say, you know, um, Lego control, things that brought computing and programming into the the real world. There was it was more than just looking at a screen. Yeah, no, there's there's lots of things that we can do that we I think we do really well in primary, um, and certainly integrating uh, programming, it, um, combining it with some design technology as well, uh, can be a wonderful thing to do. And you mentioned the Crumble microcontroller, which is a great thing to use, um, and, and and other schools will do the micro. And you mentioned Lego. Well done. That's probably the three uh, most used ones in primary, really. Uh, like I said, I had a, a fantastic uh, computing lead at my, at my last school that I was at, um, who, you know, and as I say, you know, I am a, a, a I consider myself, I'm going to call myself young for the first time in, in a while, but I'm, you know, I, I'm a technological person. I have gadgets, I have things like that. And even, you know, I remember I, I, I joke about um, not having training at school, but I remember having, it must have been some kind of BBC type computer at home as a child. And I remember being able to open a computer game and actually look inside at the sprites within that computer game. And I could edit them using some kind of paint function on the computer and it would appear in the game uh, very much. And I had that as a, you know, very young child. And it, I never saw it again until I started primary teaching in things like Scratch where you were able to either look inside other people's work or start from scratch yourself with blocks. Um, because it's we're not just talking about writing lines of code, I guess. There, there are other features there as well. Yeah, and, and especially in primary, I think it's really important to uh, take advantage of these wonderful block-based programming languages, which are so much easier for children to drag around and snap together, reconfigure, and also do some of the some. They won't. There are bits of them that won't snap into the wrong place sometimes, which really makes it uh, easier and a little bit less likely to have errors and bugs in your code. Um, so there's lots and lots of really good things you can do with Scratch. Um, one of the things I often feel, though, is um, schools just need to get progression right. Um, I think in the early stages, 2014, 15, I think we often just taught a little bit too. Uh, we, we dived into the most complex ideas a bit too quickly. And I put my hands up and say I did that on occasions. Um, and I think now we're getting some good research from America, from Israel, from the UK, and that's helping us to get a better progression and uh, to not cognitively overload children. Um, and so, so much more children can actually really succeed in their programming. Um, and, and I think that's really important. And, uh, you know, I would say my, my own reflections on computing as I saw it most recently, um, you know, in my own experience as well of, of teaching it was it was still a very when you looked at a class, there would still be a very spiky profile of children who were either really, really good at it. Um, it, it wasn't everyone moving along together at a steady pace at all. You know, you would have a couple who were fantastic and flying, doing things that were 
ridiculously good. Some who, you know, maybe it was far too difficult for it and a very, yeah, a very a difficult thing to manage because maybe lower down, we hadn't been as strategic, as steady, as, as planned in what we were doing. Yeah, I think this is this is one of the reasons why the progression makes a real a difference. Um, and, and there's some new methodologies of teaching this as well. I mean, I use uh, I use a methodology called Prim, and Prim is a wonderful scaffolded way of introducing children to really think about code first before they write their own code. Um, and it, uh, it basically, the children predict what they think a piece of code is going to look like. Then they run a really good example of code that you've uh, uh, geared to, to the level of what they understand already. So it just takes them on in there in the new bit you've introduced. Um, then they modify some code. They think about how they can change the code to solve some little problems. And then they get to write something which uses those ideas. And using those type of methodologies, I've seen it going from a very spiky subject, as you described, with a few children who are brilliant and, and a whole tale of children really struggling, um, to, to seeing where classes where really everybody is making really good progress. Um, I was teaching a class today and I would have said that there were maybe two children who were really struggling with that. There was a good percentage of children who had really done all that I'd asked them. And then there was a few who were sort of more advanced and, and pushing on. And, um, and that's really exciting because we're then going from that subject, which, it, which is about sort of, as, that's, as you described it, that spikiness into something where everyone can achieve. And I, and I think that's really important. Yeah, you know, certainly. And I think one of the things, though, and, you know, I will put this out there that's, that surprises me, and maybe this is, um, you know, maybe something that surprised you, you know, you've talked about this slow building, is uh, we are talking about uh, a 2014 curriculum, you know, um, change, um, which we saw coming in some senses, you know, there were draft versions out, out beforehand at least a little bit. And it's... Um, 2021 I had to think there for a second you know we're talking um seven years later and it still feels there's there's maybe work to do in places yeah I, I think there are most definitely work to do I think it's worth saying though that we do have a in 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 England we have a new national center for computing education uh which is doing a, a great job of running courses across the uh, England for primary school teachers and for secondary school teachers. Um, so there is some really good things going on. Um, there's a national network of CAS computing hubs where um, primary school teachers and secondary school teachers can, can join in with other people uh, and connect with like-minded individuals to, to learn a little bit more. So there is actually quite a lot going on. And that's before I get into what, what Hampshire is doing in, you know, in our local area. But, you know, so, so there is some really good things going on. Could we have done with that in 2013, 14? Yes, of course we could have. I, I think, you know, that would have really helped. But that it has been out for a few years now, and I think it is making a difference in, in England. Um, and then I, the other bit for me that is, you've touched on it already with the PSHE, is that there's the potential that this is a subject that is being taught across other subjects and um, particularly when we think about the you know the old versions of ICT and, and some of those um, skills 
possibly even in a primary school context through project work or through the topic that they're they're creating things or as you say through dnt um it's a subject that might have its its kind of uh, roots kind of spread through other subjects as we're teaching it yeah i think it's worth probably just establishing um i would say that the computing science is a subject in on its own right it mm-hmm. has uh, there is a computing science gcse okay and uh, and you can get in and there's many many more branches which go out from that um so i would often encourage teachers yes to find the links yes to teach programming through all sorts of interesting different genres but i would always say that the computing science is not a servant to the rest of the curriculum it's its own thing um but i would say the information technology that doing stuff on stuff with stuff is always better when it has those links into the rest of the curriculum, when teachers are looking, oh, I've taught some desktop publishing, but can I find a, a great way to use that desktop publishing or give children opportunities to use it in some of my other subjects? And, and there it's more about asking the question, does it add value to that other subject? Or is it at the best neutral? So if it adds value or is neutral, then I think, you know, let's find those ways of, uh, of using that. Um, across the curriculum if it doesn't then I think you have to respect the rights of other subjects in those things as well and probably leave the idea out for that bit Um, but certainly I feel you know it we are in a period certainly this last 18 months 24 months where skills in those areas and personally I had felt that at a time and as I say we were in a school that I felt was doing well with it we, I felt that some of those areas, as you say, we'd, we'd kind of paid less attention to through our computing lessons, um, and they had still existed. And it, it meant that when lockdowns happened, when remote learning was needed, we had, we were able, we had, you know, our upper key stage were used to doing work on Google Classrooms and sharing documents. All of our year groups were used to using things like Seesaw to complete work, to upload work, to follow instructions. Um, they were used to, uh, you know, in year our parents were used to using things like Tapestry um, to communicate and, and, and do work. It had always been there. And we were cushioned i guess we you know when we went into remote learning our children had what i would now call in wales dig- digital competencies that they were secure in them that meant we were able to kind of hit that ground running yeah actually it's one of the things i've admired about what um, what has been done in wales really um there's a sort of a central organization um which which has uh, which has enabled schools to have uh things like google and other tools um readily delivered um and i i, I think that's a really good thing um i think in england there was a bit more scrambling around when it came to lockdown and there were some schools that had used those things and carried on using those things but there were lots who had dropped those things totally out of their uh, of their curriculum and i see at the moment a lot of schools saying yes you know we've got we've got involved in the computer science we're improving that we're moving on with that but actually let's have another relook at our information technology how does that work what aspects do we want to include and i think if lockdowns made people think about anything it has made them think about the it side of stuff as well 
Uh, I definitely agree with you there. Yeah, no, certainly. And my example, you know, was a big boon for you guys in Hampshire because that was a, uh, I was talking about a school in Hampshire and the IT uh, computing coordinator, he was up there for a Hampshire teaching award this year, uh, shortlisted, didn't win, should have won. I will say that now. But yeah, as I say, we felt very well prepared to be able to take on that challenge because of, um, I guess, the, the the digital, the 21st century skills. I, I don't like all those phrases, but, you know, that part of our curriculum actually hadn't disappeared. It was just, as you say, appearing in different areas where it was uh, contextual and made sense, and the computing lessons were focused on computer sciences. Yeah, and I, and I think, uh, and, and that's great. And I, and I actually... Um, I think probably the only problem when we when we got to 2014, there were lots of people who just sort of threw the baby out with the bathwater, really. Uh, and some heads viewed it as a, well, you know, um, Michael Gove's <laughs> deregulated ICT sort of said you don't have to teach it anymore. And so a lot of people just went, oh, well, you know, I can get a bit more time to teach something else. Um, and actually, if, if lockdown proves anything, it really does prove that we do need a really good strand of IT in our, in our computing curriculum in Wales, England, Scotland, wherever we are, really. So I think that's important. Yes, yeah, certainly. And uh, you know, I, I, before we go to um, our first ad break, which we have to do, I, I sit on the fence for most things. I'm a, you know, I'm a primary school teacher by nature. I'm a generalist, but I do have pet hates and pet peeves. And one of them is around subjects which I would class um, computing in with maybe PE and music around these subjects where primary school teachers, we are wonderful, but sometimes it's a subject that people feel it's acceptable to say that they're not good at as a teacher, but in a dismissive way, in a way that you wouldn't expect a, someone to turn around and go, oh, yeah, I'm just not good at maths. You wouldn't hear that in such a kind of, oh, but, but in PE sometimes, in music sometimes, and in computing – I feel that it's an easy get out. It's a, a thing that people maybe, I don't know, is that something you recognise? Yeah, no, I think that is definitely something I see a lot of. Um, there's a sort of a learnt helplessness that mm. people that think it is okay. Um, but actually, it's not okay because if children don't get those experiences in primary, we know that a lot of children will just be bought out of that whole aspect. Uh, of learning and, and actually there's some I know everything's not about jobs it's about our understanding and developing the person but actually there is some really good quality jobs in this in this sphere as well and they're not all just about programming they're about how do we use computing in science or engineering or all of these things in fact nearly everything has has a strand of computing these days so it's it's really quite wrong to exclude children um, by just sort of saying, well, I don't really need to do that or I don't understand it. I often say to teachers when I'm running some, I say, well, tell me about all the computing devices you've got in your home. And they, they tend to often talk about their laptops and phones and things. But then we, we, we go on and we say, well, look, you know, have you included your oven? Have you included your fridge? And when we start looking at all the things, you, you suddenly realise that the five or six things you thought is actually 30 or 40. And then people start saying, oh, actually, yeah, this, this computing, there's a bit more to it than just, <laughs> than just computers, really. Certainly, and more and more so. As a, you know, a perfect example would be, you know, I've recently bought a new house here in Swansea. I've moved in. I couldn't turn the heating on for at least two weeks because um, 
the the last owner had had a plumber around and fitted digital thermostats on all of the radiators that you can't turn on by hand. And now that would have been a plumber who had uh, a tradesman who's had to come in, fit them, uh, wire them up to the internet, all of these things. Um, and I couldn't turn them on because I didn't have the app. I didn't have the login details for the thing. And, and so it is becoming even more uh, pervasive in our lives. And as you, sort of as you say there, there are more things. And I, I guess even my four-year-old can talk to Alexa now, annoyingly, because he asks for terrible songs. But it is everywhere. Yeah, no, definitely. It's very, very per pervasive. And I think, um, and then when you sort of phrase it like that to teachers, they start realising a little bit more of, uh, of how much there is uh, around them and how important it is for our society. Um, and our job in primary is not to turn children into best programmers ever. In fact, it takes about 10 years to make a really good programmer. But what we're doing is we give, we're opening the door for them. And if they have those opportunities, then if they want to follow that further and take it on, they can. And if they don't have the opportunities, unfortunately, often what happens is they just don't think that aspect is part of their worldview. And that's not really acceptable these days, is it? <laughs> no, certainly. Um, now, we are going to go to an ad break. But when we come back from the ads, I'd like uh, if we could talk a little bit about... Um, teaching of computing sort of what lessons can look like what they look like what a sequence of learning might look like in all of its different ways are you happy to stick around of course yeah love um join chatting thank you <laughs> fabulous well we'll see everyone on the other side of these ads need support with your phonics teaching did you know oxford university press now has three dfe validated programs to help you read write ink phonics floppies phonics and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use, and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, Visit oxfordprimary.com forward slash phonics. Live from Swansea, this is The Twilight Show with Nathan Ginn on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Boradar Pal, Krusoi Abatawi. Hello everyone, welcome to Swansea. Welcome to Wednesday Twilight Show on Teachers Talk Radio with me, Nathan Ginn. We're talking computing with Phil Bagg, computing inspector and advisor, CAS master teacher, involved in writing the National Curriculum for Computing. Um, we have been chatting away about what is computing just before the um, adverts there. Welcome back, Phil. Thank you. Um, and so just before the ads there, I said we were, I was hopeful that we would talk about what, you know, what a lesson might look like. And the, and the reason for this, for me, is I, I have moved from primary, I now teach secondary, and often 
um, particularly, you know, I think secondary colleagues, there's been some wonderful things have gone out on Twitter this week, uh, supporting secondary teachers with their understanding of phonics. But I talk to teachers at the moment and particularly around uh, IT skills, ICT skills, particularly, or, or those kind of competencies, there is maybe a misunderstanding of the kind of things that a child would we would expect them to be able to do or mostly expect them to as they transition between so over to you i guess what do computing lessons look like what would what would you expect to see if someone said we're doing computing this afternoon okay so first of all i think it's worth saying that um it's going to look quite different depending on the sort of strand you're teaching Mm-hmm. So if you're teaching online safety, I would hope by now that you would be doing that as a discussion-based activity. I'd hope that the children would get a real good chance to talk about and discuss and think through the issues for themselves. I hope the teacher wouldn't be laying down really, really firm rules. I hope the teacher would be saying, look, here's the facts, and encouraging children to make up their own mind uh, about what they think about online safety and listen to each other on on those sorts of things. So we're discussing, we're sort of describing something more in the veins of a, a PSHE lesson, maybe not um, technology out at all at this point. Yeah, no, I think a lot of that would be done uh, using conversation. In, in fact, I was doing a lesson for this today um, and we were using some wonderful resources from Project Evolve Um, which are all free online, so please do get on and have a look at those. They're great. Um, And uh, the Project Evolve resources, there's a lovely one we're looking at today around um, online bullying, and there was a great discussion about um, the difference between teasing and banter and, um, and bullying. Um, And it was really lovely to hear the children express what they thought those things were. We could talk about what we thought they were um, and then discuss those and and how some of those can become bullying very quickly. And at the end, I gave the children a chance. I'm a big one for this. I I have a couple of sheets of paper in the back of their computing folders and I have a plastic computing folder for them. And I just said to them, look, you know, like I do at the end of every online safety I want you to tell me what you've learned, what you would bother to do from this lesson. Okay, don't write down what you think I want you to say, because actually when you come to these problems, it's always going to be what you decide to do. I'm not going to be there to, to tell you what to do. So write down what you think. And then it's lovely seeing how many children not only write down things that you've said, but they'll also picked up different things from each other and the discussions and, and how to do things. Uh, and, and, and I think that's, that's so important for, um, for, for online safety, really. And that probably allays a, a few fears for people who are thinking, you know, how do I shoehorn a device into something, you know, where, where maybe you wouldn't do it if it was a PSHE lesson or a sex ed lesson. Um, it, it doesn't have to be device in hand at that point. No, most definitely not. In, in fact, I think uh, 99% of the time you wouldn't. There are occasions if you, there are some lovely little tools for looking at passwords and things like that, but they tend to be more the icing. What's what's really important in this is the discussion for children to really get to grips with with the issues, to really think about them deeply themselves and to make some decisions themselves based on good information. 
Um, and I tend to think that the earlier we do online safety, the better, really. Um, I think often primary school children are a lot more uh, sensible when they're talking about a lot of things, partly because maybe the hormones haven't started. I think there's a lot of secondary school children who wouldn't have got into quite so much trouble at secondary school if there was just a little bit more online safety done in primary schools as well. Yeah, and I certainly think, you know, there have been discussions, obviously, you know, TikTok is big in the news at the moment, but they, people, I think secondary school teachers would often be surprised about how often some of those things creep more and more, uh, particularly around uh, sort of digital safety and some of the games that have multiplayer access into primary schools and need to be addressed earlier and earlier. Yeah, definitely. I, I was doing doing a lesson with some uh, a mixed year three, four class, and lots of the children were talking today about things like being abused in, in online gaming um, and having people say nasty things to them, or um, and even some of them talked about um, uh, somebody else logging on for them. Now, <laughs> often they they did some silly things in the first place by giving somebody a username or password, but, but certainly this is a much more pervasive experience of children. And and lockdown, if anything, meant that more children were multi-screening. They were, yes, they were doing their their, their, their lessons on their Chromebook, but they, they might have had a tablet or a phone with them as well doing other things. So, so I think, if anything, lockdown has just meant that more children have been exposed to a lot more online technology a lot earlier. Mm. And so that that would be one type of computing lesson. You said there could be other options. What what's another yeah. kind of version of a lesson that you might see? Yeah. So so if if you were teaching computing science, I would hope that there was some sort of introduction of a new concept. Um, so if if we're teaching in primary, we we might be introducing sequence or repetition or conditional selection, and I'd hope that there was the lowest cognitive load introduction to that type of thing first, which I often think is is often better thought about offline, away from the computers, um, and then there's lots of different ways to get into those things. Um, so if it was really early and using something like Scratch or block-based programming, you might still see the teacher doing a little bit of a demo and then letting the children try some stuff and adapt it uh, to get them into you, uh, the sort of basic knowledge. And then later on, once they've got those basic competencies, then you'd be looking at um, things like the prim thing that I talked earlier around, about uh, with that to predicting, running, investigating, modifying and making or you might be using a, a, a methodology called Parsons, where you might be giving the children some of the blocks and maybe an algorithm, a, a plan of their code, and they'd be using the plan to build part of that and test it. Um, so there's lots of lots of really sort of good methodologies. I would hope in whatever computing science programming lessons that at some point in the module there will be a chance for children to really use those skills and make something that they would enjoy making um, and would have some pretty good choice in that as well. So that would be something that I'd be looking for if I, and, and even if it wasn't directly part of that lesson, I, I want to know that it was part of that sequence of work, really. And then, you know, we, we, we've talked a little bit about the, the using uh, um, technology aspect of computing. Um, 
are there you know are we still at a level where it's it's word dominated are we you know is is that what computing's about at the moment or are we supposed to be giving them a, a breadth of applications you know because that's probably quite a confusing thing are we are, you know the microsoft hold was strong when i was at school <laughs> yes I, I think i think we have to say whether it's microsoft or whether it's google or whether it's other tools children really do need some word processing skills at, at some point that's going to be important and when we look at i think the, the the thing we often don't do is we don't look at information technology and how the different aspects of it connect across our curriculum so you know say you're teaching some typing skills or some basic word formatting skills, you know, things like aligning text and making different colors and different fonts and those sorts of things. There's a massive knock on that if you don't teach that, because you're going to need those things in lots and lots of other areas of IT. And one of the things I find a lot in, in primary especially is that teachers don't always know where those links are. <laughs> and, and then it becomes something that they think, oh, well, I can just leave that little aspect out of my learning at the moment because I'm a bit busy with something else. But actually, you may really need that aspect for your desktop publishing later on or your presentation media or and lots and lots of other areas as well. Um, and... One of my other questions around this, then, is we're we're teaching the these different aspects, um, wh whatever the lesson, um, and it, it, you know, um, are there barriers? Are there specific barriers to a, a child's learning in in the sense that we would see um, special educational needs now, or, or, or dyscalculia or dyslexia? I could imagine some of those things might be into play. Or is there an ability level? Are we differentiating? Are we, you know, scaffolding? How is that working in in, in computer sciences? Yeah, I think there there are definitely things which hold children back, and children will have very different experiences of technology at home. So I think uh, one of the most important, one of the things that has caused the most problems for us is often, and I think we might be talking about this later, so forgive me if I butt in on this and it's the wrong thing, which right. is this whole myth of the digital native, this whole idea that um, teachers will uh, the, the children who are brought up with technology are better than people who are better at it than, than people who are not. And this is really a myth. There's been a massive amount of research into this. Um, and actually, but the problem is it tends to make teachers feel that they don't know anything, especially if they're sort of my age <laughs> or, or, or older. Uh, whereas actually when you get into it with teachers and you talk about all the different skills they know how to do already, there's a wide breadth of information technology skills that they often know, even if they've not done that much programming in the past. Um, so I think it's often that that myth really hasn't helped teachers at all. I think it's really held people back. What we do know about digital natives is that they tend to be more confident at trying new things but that doesn't mean they know anything um, and it's also important um, not to believe that because you can sometimes that's an excuse for not really teaching it as well I don't really need to teach that thing I don't really need to bother because the children are all learning at home anyway 
And that's actually rubbish. You can have 30 children in your class and you may have three or four of them have done some word processing. <laughs> you might have 10 of them who have played some games. Okay, and you might have seven who have got into trouble on social media. So, so assuming that they've got knowledge really doesn't help at all. And would that be fair to say about gender divide as well? Um, certainly, as people get older, there's there's maybe a gender split. But my experience of um, teaching primary age children is that it it wasn't necessarily boys who played computer games at home that were better at, at coding or. It, in spe specifically than the, the girls who weren't. There, it was, there was something else at play there. there. There wasn't a boys are better at this kind of thing that I saw in class. Yeah, I, I would say that the, the, the whole um, um, belief sometimes by people that uh, the boys are better at this is rubbish. Um, I think there's no evidence to support that. I think that you get when sometimes you get children who are very confident and they sometimes think they're better at, at something else than somebody else. And then often the most important thing is to stop them taking over and doing it for the other person. Uh, and that's a, a real personal bugbear of mine where a child has been allowed to take over grab the trackpad, mouse, keyboard, whatever you're using, and do it for somebody else. We wouldn't let someone grab the pencil out of the hand of uh, of the child sitting next to them when someone stuck up maths and write in the math sum answer onto someone's page. And yet how many times do I see in computer teachers allowing children to just grab the mouse or the trackpad or even doing it themselves for children, um, which is, for me is an absolute no-no. Um, and that you can sometimes find children who are, have just been so um, they, they've had so little computing because teachers have just allowed other children to just do things for them. And that's that really doesn't help. <laughs> so I think that is a big barrier. Um, do you think some of that comes from and, you know, again, we're hopefully going to talk about how we support teachers later. But um, do you think some of that comes from a confidence in the, the, the breadth of um, computing kind of understanding from the teacher rather than delivering a set session? And I'm thinking of that in the same way that I know sometimes um, th there is an issue around um, over scaffolding task completion uh, that people see as learning around um in in other subjects but in computing do we sometimes fall into a kind of product attitude where you need to follow these steps and if it goes off those steps that you know me as a teacher i don't know what happens if it goes off those steps because my subject knowledge isn't strong enough and so i'm scared of veering off so i just want to help you follow the the, the careful steps and not explore and not get creative yeah, I think that, that can be an issue for uh, for definites for, you know, if you don't feel confident in something, then, then you know, allowing children to go and try something um, is, is harder. Um, I think, though, the computing science has this wonderful thing about bugs. And one of the biggest things, I think, and quite a liberating thing for teachers as primary teachers, secondary, who teach computing is the fact that absolutely everybody makes bugs. It's not just something you do when you're a beginner. It's not just a newbie thing. Okay, It's a thing that everyone does. 
Um, one of my pet things is to ask any children in a school um, if um, if any of their parents do any programming and get them to just make us a 20 second or 30 second video on bugs. And nearly always they come back and then they say, oh, yes, bugs are really normal for us. And then we say, oh, look, this person's got a job in this. And yet they're, they're making bugs and they're having them happen all the time. And then they'll say things like, yeah, and we don't worry about it. We know they're normal. We know it's going to take us a bit of time to think through those sort of things. So I think there's a wonderful potential for developing perseverance here as well. Uh, and that can actually impact on a lot of other areas of of, of teachers teaching as well. Um, I'm a big believer in not solving things for children. Our job as teachers is to give them hints, okay, and then walk away and give them some time to puzzle that out and fix it themselves. Um, I had a child today, had a problem. I gave them a couple of hints. In fact, I gave them some very non-technical hints. I said, why don't you actually read some of this uh, um, programming that you've written? Read it out loud and explain it to the person sitting next to you. Now, any teacher can do that. And actually, when he did, he got through about, I don't know, uh, five or six lines. And then he spotted, spotted what the problem was. And then he was really made up that he had actually thought and come, come to that, um, you know, he debugged it himself. So it's actually really important for us not to solve children's problems in their programming, okay? But I do agree that often is a competence thing. And one of the things I say in training a lot is, look, give children some instructions like that, but don't hover around at the back of them watching their computer. Walk away and let them get on with it. Because, of course, if you do hover around, then they will not, they'll still think you're going to come up with a better solution, which is solving it for them, really. Yeah, and you know, I, I I find great pleasure, and, and maybe this is a, a, again part of my my character, my nature. But I see a lot of though the the systematic approach to it, the debugging, the solving a problem, the the logic of it, and I see that apply across a lot of areas of the curriculum. Um, not, but but not with a computer in hand, if that makes sense. You know, they yeah. they apply it to their English language, then they can they can apply it to project work in geography and and so on. It is a, a another word that I hate, but it is a transferable skill. Yeah, no, definitely. And it's it's. I mean, I have I have occasionally though. I, I remember interviewing some children at a school I don't teach at anymore, um, and asking them about um, their perseverance and how they got on. And I I, I remember a child saying to me, um, "Well, Mister Bag, you won't give us the answer. You only give us a hint." Whereas if I'm stuck in maths, I know my teacher will give me the answer. <laughs> now, there was a part of me which was quite pleased about that in computing, but there was a part of me that thought, oh, maybe there's some more work needs doing in maths as well. But, um, yes. Yeah. Certainly so. Now, um, we are just about to head off to the news, but when we come back, I'm hoping you'll talk with me a little bit about how we can then support teachers um, you know, I, I, you sound far more forgiving than I am as far as um, the ability to do it. You know, I'm sat here going, it's been seven years since 2014. You know, why am I the only one who, who knows how to do this? Um, you sound a little more forgiving um, and a little more supportive. So I'm hoping you can give some tips and advice of, of how to build people up rather than scare them off from computing. Is that OK? Yeah. Look forward to sharing that. Fabulous. We'll see everyone on the other side of the news.
This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. This is your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. A new documentary will follow primary and secondary schools in Nepal and Scotland as they join forces to learn from each other and tackle climate change. Interfilm Scotland and Chapromo Studios in Nepal will film the documentary which will focus on the experiences which each have had of climate change using an interdisciplinary approach. Students are conducting research by testing air and water pollution, CO2 levels, temperature and rainfall, as well as undertaking litter analysis and assessing biodiversity. Acting Principal Teacher at Stobhill Primary in Midlothian, Donna Hanley said, the project enabled pupils to learn about climate change in a real-life context. She said, with COP26, it is imperative that we make use of the Connecting the Climate Challenge programme and maintain this momentum to build on people's understanding and motivation to protect our planet for our future generations. Retired teacher Carolyn Coster from Bradford is taking her dog, who has been assessed by the charity Pets as Therapy, into schools to help children with their reading. The head teacher of Mepershall Academy said it has been amazing having Mrs Coster and Duke into school. She said, Lots of children struggle with reading. It's very difficult for them to read in front of people. But for some reason, when they read to the dog, all that stress is taken away from them and it really supports them with their learning. Mrs Coster lost her hands and feet after Covid led to sepsis in March 2020. This has been your daily education news briefing. Live from Swansea, this is The Twilight Show with Nathan Ginn on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Boradar Paub, Kroisoi Avatawi. Hello everyone, welcome to Swansea, sunny Swansea. Well it was sunny until about five o'clock today when again it got dark, darker and darker earlier. You have found us here on the Twilight Show on Wednesday on Teachers Talk Radio with me, Nathan Ginn, talking to Phil Bagg, computing inspector and advisor, and we are talking about all things computing. If you missed the start of the show, we uh, spoke in the first part of the show about what is computing, what it's not, how it's changed over the years, um, because it is the 40th birthday of the BBC microcomputer on the 1st of December. So if you remember those from when you were at school, 40 years 
this year in December uh, of those computers being shipped in to uh, schools. And interestingly enough, they are from where I am from, Cambridge, uh, where they were created as an offshoot of Sinclair computers, apparently. Um, we have also talked about teaching computing in primary schools and what those different lessons can look like, even discussing some lessons of computing that don't have a computer, uh, structured around a more PSHE approach towards uh, computer safety and, uh, and understanding. Now, um, we are back with Phil. Phil, are you with us? Yep, still here. <laughs> still here. Um, and so we were going to talk a little bit about supporting teachers because throughout uh, the show tonight, um, you know, I've kind of suggested uh, or said of my experience that I find that in primary schools in particular, um, the, the idea um, that you can say that you are not comfortable with computers or that you, you know, in the most flippant terms, oh, I don't get computers. Um, is accepted um, more than I think it should be. But also there is certainly uh, maybe a skills gap because of that change to put coding really, people felt uh, central to it, although we've discussed that a little bit um, throughout the show. Um, and people my age certainly went through a period where it wasn't happening at, at their school, in their education. And so there's a kind of gap of knowledge there. So I've kind of put my thoughts across. How do you feel? Why do you think people might be scared of computing or, or uncomfortable with computing? Yeah, I think we have to recognise that people are complex and they have a lot of different reasons around things. Uh, for some people, it might be, as you said, that it was never part of their worldview in the past. Um, they've managed to get so far in, in, in their primary school teaching um, and then and there's just a feeling, well, maybe I can just ride it out for a few more years. <laughs> and, you know, so sometimes you, 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 you get that. Um, sometimes you get people who actually actively think, well, you know, programming is this boring thing. They have these visions of lines of written code. Um, and, and so there is this sort of feeling and then this almost like, well, well, why are we overloading the curriculum so much to put this uh, all this extra stuff in there? Um, and, and sometimes you can get a staff who sort of uh, go down that sort of line or, or a couple of teachers who go down that sort of line. Um, I tend to believe you sort of got to win people over, really. Um, it doesn't help help by getting cross with them. It doesn't. It really doesn't help. Um, all they do is dig themselves in and decide you're not worth listening to in the first place. So, so you know, it, although I might deep down think, well, you know, that's really unfair on your children. I, I, I probably wouldn't say that to people. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we have to start people at where they're at. Um, and I think that's important. So often the biggest thing for me is having a really good, honest chat to the computing lead of the school and saying, look, you know, I'm not an Ofsted inspector here. I'm not trying to pick you up on stuff, but I need to know really where your staff are at because I won't really be able to help them with anything unless I can take them from where they're, where they're, they're, where they're honestly at at the moment. Um and for some people, depending on their route into computing, that, that could be a very, very limited knowledge. We, you know, talking about their, their understanding of computing being at a level of a, you know, of a primary school pupil themselves, the curriculum that they're teaching, 
it could be that low. Yeah, I mean, I often find, um, I mean, and it, it, we've got a very mixed thing at the moment going on there because there have been some schools that have massively embraced the programming aspects and and have done a, a brilliant job. So, you know, we, we shouldn't sort of uh, assume that everybody's struggling with this. But, but there are also some schools that have... Uh, maybe they put computing on a bit of a back burner. Maybe they were struggling with literacy of maths and knew that those were the things with the, the in in the past were the sort of principal um, bits uh, uh, um, um, things that they were going to assess on. And so sometimes you see a bit of curriculum put on the back burner. Um, and of course, have teachers had any training? You know, this is a really big thing for me. And 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 I'll not just say that because I do training but you know in england we've got the ncce we've got these computing hubs that are around we've got some national courses for training um so actually there's quite a lot of support out there really um and, and there's not much excuse of not not taking up on some of that <laughs> at, at this point really um, and we've had a text in from Sobia saying um, there isn't much investment at primary due to lack of resources. Um, she says, to be fair, ICT wasn't delivered properly either. But there, there is a cost element to computing. I've mentioned, you know, some of the things I've used in school, you know, I've mentioned the crumbles, I've mentioned the Lego control, although we were lucky enough to have some of that stuff part funded, match funded, you know, raise funding from external sources. Um most schools would expect to have enough, you know, um, computers, laptops, wherever they be, to deliver most of the curriculum. And if they don't, that, that that's surely a massive issue if, if, if you haven't got the resources to deliver what the national curriculum expects. Yeah, I think I think um, yeah. You, the, the 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 sorry, um, Sobia who, who mentioned this uh, definitely is right. Um, resources can make a really big difference, and in fact, you know, computing is something that uh, there's aspects of computing you can teach without a computer, but there's there's lots and lots more which actually needs a computer and is is more interesting if it if you if you're mixing the offline and the online as well um so yeah i think it does make a difference um i often think that schools all have about the same amount of funding now that they, you know there are funding issues i'm not going to get into that not on this anyway on this program but you know and there is often a choice about what you spend your money on um and, and certainly in our Hampshire schools, I see schools sort of having a sort of a minimal standard uh, of, of a set of devices for everybody. And then some schools do a lot more. Um, it is difficult when you get to a school and find that nothing's been replaced in the last seven or eight years uh, and stuff is quite old. Um, and, and that can be a real barrier to, to learning. Um but uh, that's pretty rare in Hampshire anyway. I don't know whether that's rare across the rest of the country. And certainly my personal experience of taking it a level above. So I'm not talking about a PC here or an iPad, which, which can be expensive. But as far as the crumbles, and you know, I remember one of my, I was lucky enough to deliver a, a lesson um, because in my, my last school I was mainly doing PPA cover as part of a leadership role. Um, but I was lucky enough to be left by the class teacher to deliver a, a lesson where we were using uh, the crumbles to make cars that we would program and they would drive around. 
And when I asked the computing lead actually how much that was for a, you know, a class set, and we were, because of the way it was working, it was maybe only eight of them, so it was one between three. It wasn't as expensive as I had imagined it was going to be to have some of the things. Yeah, no, I mean, I think the crumble and the micro bit are the, the two greatest examples of really cheap uh, things. I mean, you can buy a set of 15 crumble boards for about £150, you know. Now, of course, you're going to have to add, um, add a battery pack to that and some crocodile cables, but you can often go and have a look at what you've got in your science kit as well. And the crumble's brilliant for being able to sort of reuse some things. Um, you've got two motor ports out of it. You, you mentioned the cars. We we do a Robot Wars project, which does the same sort of thing, a, a moving buggy, um, which is lots and lots of fun. And the children really enjoy that. And actually, it, it's really quite a cheap way of doing this um, for all the extra fun and excitement you get out of it. Um, it is anyway. Um, uh, now, Sobia's texted in another question for you. Now, I'm going to let you answer first, and then because I've got quite a strong opinion on this one. Um, but she said, "Do you think leadership teams find computing a useful slash important enough subject?" It does depend on the leadership team, um, but my general opinion is that often they don't. Um, I think I do find exceptions. There's some wonderful um, t head teachers in Hampshire who I know really value computing. Um, but you, I think you really have to look at what people do. Um, and, and it's not really what people say. It's, you know, how, how much do they invest in that? How much do they allow staff training? Um, and when you get a head teacher or a leadership team and they're thinking, well, really, we can do the whole computing curriculum, you know, in, in, in one half day session or in, in a staff meeting, then there's just a real disconnect between the sort of levels of training that people need and, and, and what <laughs> leadership teams often think um, is necessary. So I would say generally often not so much, but... Has the experience of lockdown changed people's opinions? And I think maybe it has for some for, for some head teachers and, and for some leadership teams. Yeah, and I think for me it is, you know, I, I very passionately about primary education believe, you know, it's about making learning irresistible and computing at its um done really really well and this is where i'm talking about taking it out of the computer into the real world as well so to do make machines move do um ro you know get into that robotic movement um i i think can really it can be something that children can look forward to in a day it can be something that they really remember um and i love that about it and also when you know making decisions and and i've been in that position in a leadership team where we're making decisions about money and training and to do computing badly or averagely um <laughs> takes uh, it's not that much of a step more in my opinion when it comes to funding comparing it to other subjects like the science and the pe it's not that much of a step more to do it in a really exciting and engaging way with some of these additional what people see as additional extras yeah, I'd agree. I mean, you could often get a set of crumbles and all the bits and pieces for about the cost of an expensive computer. So so actually, you know, it's a no-brainer, really, 
Uh, but you've got to factor in some training and you've got to factor in thinking it through um, and giving time for your subject lead to develop their expertise as well. One of the reasons I carry on teaching in Hampshire, uh, and one of it is because I thoroughly enjoy being with children, and the other one is because it's really nice to be able to say to people, why don't you just come pop over for an afternoon and spend some time with some of my classes? Because I often find the biggest thing is that people don't really know what's possible because it wasn't a subject that they've, they've done themselves. They don't really see the breadth and the depth that children can get to. So one of the things I really love is having somebody with us for an afternoon and then they go away again, oh, wow, they really can do some pretty good stuff, can't they? And I go, yeah, and that's not me doing it, that's them doing it. And, and then that broadens their horizons to see what can be done in schools, really. Yep, certainly. And I would say the same thing. You know, I'm also passionate about design technology. And I would say the same thing applies there, that until you have seen what some other people are doing with it, it's 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 really hard to um, understand, to conceptualise. Maybe you haven't had the experience of it yourself, um, that, that these things are possible. And it really can be uh, that we can get kids at a primary age doing some things that are quite impressive to, to to see as an adult who maybe doesn't have experience of it. Yeah, I mean, I, I do a lovely project with year six at one of my schools and it's an independent, um, it's an independent um, uh, programming project with the Crumbles and they design and, and think through exactly what they want to do. And I've had children come up with things. I had, I had some children make, well, they called it a burglar alarm, but it actually, actually was a parking sensor. That, that works <laughs> um, and we've had all sorts of uh, really fantastic projects which the children have got I tell you what the, the biggest thing for me was I remember changing school uh, teachers the year six teacher had to to leave halfway through the year and the new teacher who came along had a parents evening and they uh, and the parents he came back to me the next day and he said phil you've got to keep all the stuff to do with computing all the stuff to do with the crumble all the independent because that's what parents talked about that's the things they said were really important in the curriculum so um, yeah i think you're totally right this this can be a, a subject along with dt that can really sort of add that extra bit of pizzazz and interest and excitement for children and give them something that they, they they sort of get into for the future as well. Um, Sobia's texting saying staff training definitely makes a difference. And it kind of takes me on to, you know, I don't want to pointedly uh, do you out, out of a job here as someone who, you know, is going in and teaching <laughs> computing. But do we need parapathetic teachers of computing like they used to exist in uh, music, for instance, and sometimes now in primary exist in sports. Um, I don't like that as a model. Um, personally, I, I, I'm very much like class teachers being enabled to do it. But is, is that needed? Or is it is it something that all class teachers can aspire to? I think in primary, all class teachers can deliver quality 
uh, lessons in all aspects of computing as long as they've had some training okay and long as they've had somebody who's willing to support them you know and help them through and take them through gradually incrementally um, then I think everyone can teach that and, and we don't actually because in primary we don't really plumb the depths of using computers with maths as well um, which which you, you you will get into a little bit more in key stage three and four that I think that actually it's very much something that everybody can teach if someone takes the time and trouble to to explain all the different methodologies and help people think about it in a in a supportive way um yeah so i i, I mean, don't get me wrong i am a subject specialist and i do just teach that and that's probably important for me um because it, it enables me to to not lose touch of what what's important and and how children behave and whether something really works in a whole classroom of children um but yeah yeah hope that hope that answered that one but uh, you know it sounds very much like my my as a my philosophy of primary education i you know i'm very much a broad not good at anything um, but but good enough at everything. And I love that idea about primary schools. It was one of the things that drew me to primary teaching. Um, and, you know, it does worry me that it is an easy option. And I'm trying, you know, to say this in the kindest way, because obviously you are a specialist teacher, but it might be an easy option for people to say, actually, do you know what? Don't worry about training the staff. Um we will um, just uh, get it, get in someone um, to cover it and do it in PPA. Um that worries me in the same way it worries me about sport and the same way it worries me about DT because those are subjects that I loved and I, I think there is benefit in doing it with the person who is your pastoral class teacher. Um, that, that's yeah. primary school to me. Yeah, I mean, I, I would probably make a little bit of a distinction. I'd say it is 100% really important for your information technology, which is a lot of your old ICT um, and I think for your online safety, I think both of those generally are better taught by the class teacher. Um, and I would say if you're going to put the time and training into teaching your programming, that's very, uh, that's very, and it can be taught really well by a non-classroom specialist as well. Um, I, I got to be honest, I thoroughly enjoy doing my computing bit and combining that with my inspector roles. But that's me. <laughs> and, and we shouldn't we shouldn't make um, what we enjoy into a um, in, into a universal norm. <laughs> oh, don't know. When I was covering PPA, as I say, you know, I would love it if they would. And, and often this is why I think, you know, the, the subjects I would get. And, and this is the, the, the situation in a lot of primary schools, the subjects I would get left you know, would be the ones that teachers were uncomfortable with. So I would find myself teaching French. I would find myself teaching computing. They, I would find myself teaching music because those were the subjects where uh, people felt less confident, less comfortable, and they wanted to give away to someone else. Yeah, no, I, I think that's often uh, true, especially, of course, if, if no one's really sort of taken them through. I mean, I was really fortunate in one of my schools early on. I was given lots of time to develop um, um, ICT previously. Um, and then uh, so when we got into curric the curriculum and it changed a bit, it was a case of sort of adapting that ICT practice, not sort of throwing it away. Uh, and then introducing the new programming aspect um, in the sort of depth that it needed. Um, but and I 
think so, that sort of answers. Sobia has texted in saying, yeah. do you think it was right to take away ICT? Should we have both in the curriculum? Yeah. I think in some ways we have got both in the curriculum. Um, I think that obviously you've got a little bit less time to do or every uh, aspect of ICT, there's a little bit more choice you have to uh, make in here. And and here, here now, I think it's important to include a bit of a strand of data handling in in what you're doing and some multimedia work. I, I, I you know, it's really great to do some things with um, green screening or stop motion animation, all of those things. All of those things can just as easily be included in our um, in our computing curriculum. There's space for those definitely um, in in the curriculum now. So hopefully no one's got rid of those, <laughs> thinking that you can't teach them anymore because because you definitely can. Hey, uh, you know we've got the green screen. In fact, a green screen room at the the school that I was teaching at in in Hampshire, so that we could do all of those bits, enriching the curriculum um, through you know communication technologies and all of those things. Because you know actually how many children now will grow up to, you know, be involved in something like we're doing right now? I mean, you know, this is the world now. Are we um, podcasting, live streaming? All of those things are are now part of, I guess, our lives. Yeah, definitely. And I, I, this is where I think it's so important to have that balance. Yes, we needed to include the computing science aspect that had been sort of dropped out of the curriculum. But it was really, it's really important not to, to get rid of those fundamental computing skills as well. Um, and, and the nice thing about our national curriculum, the, the not so good thing is maybe we didn't put enough um, definition on the, on the IT side of things. But the good thing is that as a new bit of technology comes along, it's very easy to include that in your, in your curriculum because, of course, it hasn't been so carefully defined and you have to do this and this and this it gives schools choice um which can be a good thing and a bad thing but (laughs) yeah you know and i would certainly say that about the, the the 2014 curriculum is that um you know i have seen it delivered with different software for want of a better word um used to fulfill the purposes because as you you know as you've said already it says debugging it doesn't say debugging and microsoft excel it, you know, it is, it's quite general in that sense. Yeah. And, and um, I mean, I remember, I mean, I, I, I wasn't in the original draft of it, but I did all the sort of uh, first rewrites or first sort of looks at things. And, and you know, we were only allowed three sides of, uh, um, of A4 paper in size 11 font. And you, and you are struggling to put massive detail in with that sort of thing. Um, and sometimes that if, if a school wants to, to avoid teaching computing, they can use that lack of detail as a way of avoiding teaching it. Um, but it also means that schools who really spot new technologies and things can jump in and have a go at those um, without having to think, oh, that's not really part of the national curriculum. So you said there's some good and some bad things about that, really. Fabulous. Now, we've got one more ad break, but when we come back, I'm hoping we can wrap things up with some final thoughts uh, a final kind of piece of advice to teachers who are listening who maybe want to develop by um, computing more at their school who um, are thinking that they need some more support themselves so you're okay to uh, think of a couple of things while we listen to the adverts yes yeah, uh, in a minute eh? <laughs> fabulous all right ta-da. need support with your phonics teaching did you know oxford university press now has three dfe validated programs to help you 
Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppies Phonics, and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use, and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit oxfordprimary.com forward slash phonics. Live from Swansea, this is The Twilight Show with Nathan Ginn on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Hello everyone, welcome to Swansea um, and you have found me here on the Twilight Show on Teachers Talk Radio on this Wednesday night with Phil Bagg, Computing Inspector and Advisor, CAS Master Teacher, involved in writing the National Curriculum for Computing. It is close to the 40th birthday of the BBC Microcomputer and we have spent the show talking about all things computing. Um, welcome back Phil. Yep, still here and, and enjoying enjoying chatting. So thank you. Um, oh, thank you, Kate. There, uh, Kate Jones has messaged in. If you are listening and you have not yet entered the Kate Jones competition, possibly the most amazing competition, um, amazing uh, educational offer. Kate Jones correcting me on my wealth, on my Welsh, um, Nostar. I guess where I am, Nostar, where you are. But I, I do say Boridar because um, it's. Um, easier for me to say than changing throughout the show as I change to good night um, but thanks for the correction there pulling me up on my Welsh um, how's the pronunciation as well you know Kate if, if you're listening um, and uh, yeah uh, I've gone slightly red um, anyway Phil um, we are back um, and we were gonna talk about some top tips for um, people in what they can do to take their computing forward. If they've listened to this, if they can relate to some of the things I've been saying, if they want to make it a little bit more like you're describing, what kind of things can they do? Where can they go? Yeah, so if you're in England, so forgive me for the for the, for the Anglo-centric um, <laughs> thing here. Uh, so if you're in England, um, there is uh, a CAS computing at schools that I would really recommend that you join. Um, and um, CAS runs lots and lots of community groups across the whole uh, of England and these are free to join some of them meet online some of them meet um, uh, some of them meet via face-to-face uh, -face, depending on how we're getting on with Covid in our schools and um, those are often a great opportunity to share and talk about and learn about uh, different aspects of either primary or secondary computing really um, and, and those are really sort of great sort of communities of learning. Um, in Hampshire, we run about 12 of those or we facilitate about 12 of those uh, and, and I love, share, love sharing with people and talking to them. And In our ones, I, I love giving people a chance to say, what type of thing, what questions do you want to ask that you can ask of the whole group and giving, giving people a bit of time to do that? And then people will come up with all sorts of things, you know, um, 
Uh, we're having trouble getting something to do video uh, video casting using our Chromebooks. Anybody got any ideas? <laughs> Those sorts of things. Um, also in, in England, we've got a whole load of computing hubs, and these are set up by the National Centre for Computing Education. They often have... Um, they have resources like sets of micro bits or sets of crumbles. So you can borrow some of that stuff and try it out. Okay. And they run lots and lots of courses and will help you. If you're in Hampshire, come and give us a shout. We'll, we'll definitely help you develop computing as well. Um, I'd also say the biggest thing really is having a talk to your staff and finding out where they're at with computing as well. You know, surveying staff, talking to people, find out what's done well, what do they enjoy doing at the moment, and then that will give you some sort of steer on the bits that you need to sort of focus on, first of all. And be kind to yourself. Don't try and do it all at once. <laughs> yeah, um, certainly. I think, you know, there is um, so much support out there. There is so much to develop. Um I, you know, and I guess um, it, it feels like a lot for people. Um, you know, it feels like, uh, you know, you, you, which direction to go in. Um, what is the kind of key thing that you would want to see, the kind of key thing that, whether you know, if you're talking to a child or a teacher, when you say, you know, um, what, what, what is computing? What's good about computing at your school? What would you want to hear? Yeah, well, I think personally, I don't often want to prejudge that because um, I, if I sort of have this sort of set things, yes, there are methodologies and things, and I want to hear about a balance of things. I want to hear that there's aspects of all all aspects of computing going on to some extent. But I, I, I think there's lots of different ways you can teach things, and I think there's lots of different ways that you can uh, can explore that and see it taught. Um, so I'd want to find out about what the children are doing, okay, what what's excited them about computing recently. Um, I wouldn't get too hassled if they they talked to me about ICT or you know if they didn't use the right terminology for for the subject that wouldn't get me, worry me at all really. But I would be looking at you know are they actually doing some creative programming where they get a chance to make something themselves, you know because that will definitely excite them and definitely they'll they'll find that really enjoyable. Are they doing some really interesting IT where they get a chance to actually use that IT? skills across the curriculum you know and and how are they actually thinking the online safety through so that they get to make the choices about what they do in the long run um, so those are the sort of three key things that I'm sort of looking for but that journey to get there can be very different in, in different schools and, and and it's quite exciting finding out all the different ways that people do things sometimes yeah, and I guess that, you know, on that, um, their, their resource profile, their staff profile is something that can be completely different for, for, for every school. Um, we've had one last kind of uh, listener question, text in from Sobia, asking about transition. And it is something that I mentioned earlier when I said that I was now in secondary. We've had seven years of, of this current curriculum, which means some of those children who have had a, a full diet of the new uh, computing curriculum uh, should now be making their way into secondary school. Um, you know, children who started in, in year R 
um, or year one. They should be a kind of year seven, year eight, maybe. Um, are we going to start seeing a change to um, what we expect of uh, secondary schools? Should secondary schools be clearer on what's happening? Um, do you think that there is more transitional work that needs to be done? Actually, I, I think that secondary schools are already making massive amounts of changes to their curriculum um, in different areas. Um, if I look back to when I first started teaching programming, I remember I, I actually did something with some year sixes, which was some text-based coding. Not that I, I don't tend to sort of encourage text-based coding for primary, but I, I did some early on. And I remember actually doing something and somebody coming back to me and saying, oh, Phil, you've just done you've just done some questions on the GCSE uh, computing science curriculum. But now if I look at where that's gone, because we're expecting a lot more understanding to come in, that, that, that would be way too simple. It would be something that they'd be doing in the bottom end of Key Stage 3 now. Um, so I think there is this bit-by-bit bit change that's happening um, in computing at secondary to sort of respond to to um, to what's being done in primary. The difficulty for secondary school teachers, and I have a lot of sympathy for that, this really, is that you will have some schools where teachers are doing some wonderful work, um, really developing children's skills, and, and children will come up with a really, some really good uh, competencies. And then the, there will be other schools in that same cohort who might, you know, still not have got anywhere, not not even gone through a quarter of the of the programming curriculum required for key stage two. So the difficulty then is trying to catch those children up. And I think that can be quite difficult uh, for secondary schools if they've got feeders who are not quite sort of pulling their weight in that area. Yeah, um, you know, and I, I think, unfortunately, you know, and I, I bring it back to Wales at the moment, we're going through curriculum for Wales, where we will have individual school curriculums, and it is causing a lot of heart palpitations, because there will be no centralised curriculum documentation beyond um, kind of guidance on themes and, and uh, kind of broad expectations. So even less than the national curriculum sort of three pages of A4 that you've described. Um, and the idea of being at a secondary school with multiple feeders doing multiple different things or multiple devices or um, programs or different things and trying to pull that together is probably quite a difficult thing and I think there is something that maybe us primary school specialists can do to uh, manage up and support up as well as expecting secondaries to uh, reach down um, as far as that information goes. Yeah no 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 I, I agree with that um, I think I mean I did look at the curriculum for Wales around the sort of uh, computing science aspects um, and I, I know what you mean, but I think there is some quite good stuff in there as well. Um, uh, and maybe it needs a bit more digging out. It's a little a little harder to sort of find the sort of different aspects of it. But there's some, some pretty good stuff in there. Um, oh, well, we've got till 2022 to work it out. It'll be fine. There's, there's a couple of months left. Um, <laughs> Yes. We, we will get there. Now, listen, we are right at the end. Thank you, Phil, so much for coming on and chatting. I have to say, I've really enjoyed chatting to you. Thank you very much for inviting me. Uh, Listen, it's been, a, been an, 
yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure. As I say, I have very fond memories of um, computing in Hampshire. You know, as I say, I had an amazing computing lead who uh, supported us well. But, you know, I, I remember it fondly and I do think of it as being quite, you know, a pinnacle of what I would expect from uh, a computing curriculum. So, yeah, it's been wonderful to, to get to talk to you and to have you on. Thank you very much for having me and, and have a great evening. Yep, and as we say here in Wales, Nostar. Good night, Nostar, everyone. Good night. <laughs> Nostar. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.